0: Good morning everybody, Joanna Harcourt-Smith, delighted to be with you again, and today I am with Margaret DeWise. Margaret DeWise is a professor at Bard College, Milton Avery Graduate School of the Arts, as well as a composer and sound installation artist. Her pieces have been performed at the Museum of Modern Art, Pace Gallery, Kitchen, and the Knitting Factory. A CD of her music, I.O. was released in 2000. A dramatic shift in her life set her on a pilgrimage to Ecuador and to becoming a world traveler and explorer Dedicated to the preservation and transmission of indigenous wisdom in the Western world. She has recently been published. Her book came out on January 6, 2009, just the other day. And the book is called Black Smoke, A Woman's Journey of Healing, Wild Love and Transformation in the Amazon. I will ask you, Margaret, to tell us something about your book.
1: Well, it takes place in Ecuador, mostly, Yes. In, in various parts of the jungle, and there are several stories that I could tell from the jungle, and it also takes place in North America. So, it's, it's an adventure story in one way, and it's also... A journey into the
0: unknown. I understand that you had a crisis with uh, breast cancer. And right. uh, you had traveled to Tikal, and uh, to the Pyramids of Tikal, and you had met a healer whose name is Carlos. And you chose for your healing to go back and see this. Man Carlos, in Ecuador.
1: That's correct. And it was a very interesting... Tikal uh, and Guatemala was an extraordinary experience. I was invited. It was the last Choltun that the Mayan um, transition to the year 2012 took place. And their prophecy was to bring uh, holy people, spiritual people, and healers from all of the Americas. Mm -hmm. and they also had to have people of every color. And so there were a handful of whites that were invited. Yes. And magically, I was at the right place at the right moment, and I went.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Because I knew that there were going to be lots of healers there. Right. And uh, I, I felt very compelled to see what was on offer that I might be cured of cancer.
0: Yes, yes. So
1: the healers in Guatemala came from Alaska, Utah, many different tribes in North America, from the jungles and the mountains of the Andes all the way down to the tip of South America. Mm-hmm. And there were literally hundreds of healers. So, And they all were very, very, very capable people. I could tell, uh, particularly one man that I was... His energy was so extraordinary, and I could see he was a very holy man. He was a chief, mm-hmm. and at one point, Carlos came to me, and he said, "You have this, that and the other thing. I see black smoke coming from your breast. I see that you're blind in your eye. I can see inside you, yeah, like I'm looking through a glass. I see your muscles, your veins. You must come to Ecuador." Wow. You have to come, and I will heal you.
0: Wow, wow. And let me ask you, so at that time, had you already done the so-called Western treatments for...
1: I, well, I went to Western medical doctors, and they were suggesting a lot of things that I wasn't too happy with. Yes. Um, you know, the, see, the funny thing is, this was the, the offspring... This was the moment of crisis where I could make a leap out of my worldview, because the crisis was so strong in my mind.
0: Right. So you were hesitating. You were you were attracted by the Western worldview, medical worldview, and yet there was something in you that was that was attracting you to something I was, I
1: was actually. Pulling away, almost psychically, from the Western medical point of view. Uh And I don't want anyone to get the idea that I think that the Western medicine is bad.
0: Right, right.
1: But there was something in my gut that was pulling me to try something. I didn't know what it was, and then Carlos came along. And really, that's the point where the book takes off. So the book is not so much about cancer, because crisis will put... Someone in my shoes in every day of the week, whether it's whatever kind of loss it is or fear.
0: That's correct.
1: And I was, um, I was overcome by fear, extraordinary fear. Yes. And somehow that fear gave me energy to move.
0: Wow. So it was your friend.
1: No. Well, oh. in in, <laughs> my, in retrospect, yes. But at the time, it was a demon chasing
0: me. Okay. Okay, okay. Yes. Well, there's something you say in the book. There's this phrase that really caught my heart and my soul. And uh, it's at some point, you say, when you were in Ecuador, you say, Carlos looked me straight in the eye and said, the sickness of the earth... The sickness of the tribes and the sickness in our bodies is linked. Nunquai wants you to help me in my work. She wants you to heal the people and the land with me. So I'd love you to expand on this beautiful first part to begin with. The sickness of the earth, the sickness of the tribes and the one of the body is linked
1: exactly, um, perhaps the most, uh, one of the most uh, potent kernels of the entire teaching of of Carlos and the Shuar uh, nice. Amazonian warriors. He, I felt it. I've, I felt completely having, living in the jungle the relationship between the trees and the animals and the people the water, the mountains Carlos would call to them and they would lend energy for his healing work, mm-hmm. he took me through the forest teaching me biological plants because he was what he called a natural medico, yes. natural doctor. Yes. And in the jungle, there are no clinics, there are no hospitals, there's, there are no MDs. So mm-hmm. he was the local doctor and, in fact, would run all over Ecuador helping people. But the, a, another moment that was very important to me is,
0: if I might make a quote. Yes, yes.
1: He, when we're walking through the forest, he says that he's self-sufficient in the jungle, that he can make bows and arrows, curaring, build a fire, make more than 200 medicines, gather fruit, mm-hmm. make clothes, hunt, and fish. Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. his machete, he was complete, but he said... Survival in the jungle is very difficult. Uh And this is the quote. When the Spanish came 500 years ago, they told the Shuar that we were uncivilized savages who lived in the jungle like animals. Yes. But this is not true. Right. My people told the conquistadores, we do not live in the jungle. The jungle lives in us.
0: Beautiful.
1: Margaret, I am not one with her. I am one with the jungle. I'm not in the jungle. The jungle is within me. Yes. The wisdom I hold cannot be learned from a book, but from the earth, which sends its voice through my body. We are one and the same. Mm. And Carlos was melded, is melded, to nature. And I felt that so deeply in the jungle. And whenever... I would return to Ecuador. I wanted to kiss the ground. It was so sweet.
0: Yes. So this, this feeling, which is sort of the contrary to what we think here, impregnated you through your travels and your healing.
1: Uh, oh, but, absolutely. There was no distinction, no separation between the body and the environment or the, the universe, the cosmos. And everything uh, uh, everything in the Shuar way for healing is to act w- within one another in harmony, to interact in harmony.
0: How has this changed your life, Margaret?
1: Uh, it, it's, well, it's changed me, mm-hmm. life, my thoughts dramatically, as you can imagine, One way that it changed it on a physical level that some people could understand is that by going there and doing these things, I was having music concerts performed in New York, in different parts of America, and I wasn't showing up. I was in the jungle. Uh So it uh, wreaked havoc with the, you know, the comfortable life that I had with my husband, who I thought I was. Yes. And what I thought was important, of course, music is extraordinarily important, but this was an all-consuming passion and love that I felt, and also that love cured me of cancer.
0: Talk about how your notion of love has changed through these experiences
1: well this is an ongoing process but the uh, when uh, when one is cured and also in in a very humble position of being so vulnerable close to death or in a, a circumstance where one is weakened and and out of con- out of control I and mean, you of realize control. that you don't have control you are open to other possibilities and once one is healed and, and works in, in a kind of holistic way. I don't like that word because it's Western. <laughs> but so much compassion and empathy for others is inside. It opens this up. And it's, I've learned that when you heal others, you heal yourself. So as Carlos is healing me, he is also healing himself. And um, in my travels thereafter, and in, in Ecuador, mm-hmm. I became his apprentice and helped work,
2: help heal other people. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it was um, it's a very grounding experience and uh,
0: personal. Everything becomes very personal and intimate and real. Does your love of music and your gift for music, does sound help you in your work of healing? A sound is, is magical. Um, <laughs>
1: it's, a funny, it, it's a very funny thing. I mean, it's very healing, and I have a lot of respect that, uh, with people that use in their healing work. Uh, Carlos does, and when I was in the jungle, I made several recordings of him playing healing music, calling in spirits, and actually a couple of the healing songs are on my website, so people can can hear
0: them if they so choose. Oh, Say your website, Margaret, please.
1: It's uh, www. book.com
0: Okay. So if people want to find out more or buy the book, you can go to the website. Oh,
1: absolutely. And, and the songs are mesmerizing, but in, in ceremony song found, song is very important and uh, according to the schwar the tradition of song comes from thousands of years back
0: and there are certain songs to call uh, certain healing spirits mm-hmm. so Margaret would you be willing to talk to us about the love story
1: <laughs> well that would A a very powerful uh, modulator, as we all know, love for another person uh, ups the ante in in terms of you know the even the neurotransmitters in the body. It, It was it is stunning. It was stunning. It was stunning for both of us. It was exciting as as new love always is, and we were really bound together in healing work um living together in the jungle uh, it was a it was a beautiful 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 thing
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, you invited Carlos to come to America to do healing work with people here
1: that's right
0: so that's right and uh, and that was an extraordinary adventure like everything else in the book <laughs> it
1: was you know, a major advent- adventure. I don't know, Tarzan Jane <laughs> uh, kind of um, <laughs> unbelievabilities. Certainly, in terms of the excitement of the adventure, and yeah, it was ma- it was a kind of a magical moment because at that time, no one from South America was coming into the country to do even uh, tours in major universities. The the policy was closed door,
2: mm-hmm. and.
1: Um, you know, I went with him to the American Embassy. They said he can't have, he can't have a, a visa, He doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a mortgage. He doesn't have this and that. Right. <laughs> and I said, well, I, I've never seen a mortgage on a palm tree before. And there are no <laughs> cars in the jungle. And for some reason, they gave him a five-year visa. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. With uh, multiple it was entries. Like it was
1: ordained. No matter, you know, what the law was, they were giving him a visa.
0: Yes, yes. And so...
1: Yeah, that. and when he came to America, uh, I picked him up in New York City, Mm -hmm. and he, you know, I said, well, do you want to do a little sightseeing? Do you want to see the Empire State Building? Do you want to go to the movies? Do you want to see Madison Square Garden? Do you (laughs) want to know about Elvis, and all of these these attachments that we have, he'd never heard of. Wow. (laughs) The time the World Trade Center was there, but they held really no interest for him. He just wanted to meet the people, and he really wanted to meet his brothers, his native uh, aboriginal brothers in Mm -hmm. the north.
0: Right. He'd heard of
1: the Lakota. Yes. And so on.
0: Yes. And you practiced healing with the sacred medicine, ayahuasca, natem.
1: Exacto.
0: Exacto. So, um, I know I read in your first uh, ceremony with ayahuasca, you uh, were penetrated by a jaguar, and that uh, Carlos's medicine is, is jaguar as well. Um, would you speak about this root, this arutam, this arut I am? <laughs>
1: arutam. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I didn't know that um, he was a jaguar. Um, I, it, funnily enough, I had had a dream about months before I knew I had cancer,
2: mm-hmm. in
1: which a black jaguar came to me and I turned into a golden spotted jaguar. Mm. And there's more of the, the dream that I had written down um, that concurs what happened um, uh, later on when we came to North America. I don't want to give that away. So, when uh, I met Carlos, he said, I am el." Jaguar Negro, I am the black jaguar. And I'm like, oh, ha, 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 ha. Actually, this is after I'd met him in ceremony. And when I met his mother, she told me that when he was born, his father named him God of the black jaguars. Uh And the first thing that he had before breast milk was ayahuasca. And they knew that he was going to be a very powerful healer from the moment that he was in her belly. Right, right. So, but, you know, it's interesting in in, in the Amazon, jaguar medicine is very powerful, and uh, there are other people that hold that power, just as there is leopard medicine or lion medicine in Africa. Mm -hmm. And um, there are stories in both cultures where they're shape-shifting to turn into animals of power. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Are you speaking about uh, the medicine iboga in uh, Africa? Actually, uh,
1: not particularly. I was thinking more of the zulus in South Africa okay. and leopard medicine and in also West Africa.
0: Please, uh, for our listeners, tell us what ayahuasca is.
1: Mm. Ayahuasca... Is a maestro medicine, uh, a medicine of high virtue, a sacred medicine uh, of the Amazon, used by indigenous people, particularly in the high upper region of Ecuador, mm-hmm. um, and well, actually in Colombia too. Uh, and, you know, funnily enough, you need at least two or three plants to make the medicine. So um, without them coming together, the full effect of the healing is, is not readily known. And one wonders, how, how do you know to take a potato and put it with a pineapple to get something special?
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: And that's because plants have consciousness. They, they can come into being in a physical form, and they will talk to the one who is capable of listening, and that is asking the plants for their help.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are several plants. The, the ayahuasca is a root.
1: Right. And it's, a, it's a vine.
0: It's a vine.
1: It's a vine, and it ha- and um, the three are mixed together in a ritual way with prayers. Yes. One picks the vine one um, speaks to the the mother or the father plant and asks permission. Uh, At one point, we went to collect vines that were um, in the soil and were buried for 50 years earlier by other famous maestros, healers. So each vine itself has its own energy intensity. Preparation is very important because it's a sacred plant. And unlike a, a North American medicine, it has a living being in it. So you have a triumvirate of beings in the natem, the ayahuasca that Carlos uses.
2: Right.
1: And when administered, I could see the plant spirits.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Carlos would call his, the healing spirits. There was a pantheon. And the, and the plant spirits themselves, and they would come into him to um, facilitate extraordinary, miraculous healing.
0: hmm And this worked in Ecuador as well as in the United States.
1: Uh, yes, that is true.
0: Right.
1: That is true. In my relationship to it, and is that. You know, Carlos had been working with medicine for 35 years. And it's very important to have a spiritual leader or healer while while in the presence of such strong beings. Well, and the well, shwar, you know, sometimes they go, oh, no, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that, because it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. But they would never do it for recreation. This is That would be sacrilegious. It's almost like the Catholics in taking the Holy Eucharist. It's such a precious tool and it's such
0: a strong tool. Yes, well, that's what I was going to say. Uh, I, I know that this is a, a sacrament in a, a spiritual practice. Exactly. And I think it's very important to uh, to understand that, that wherever... Wherever it's taken, it is never taken out of the context of the fact that it's a sacrament.
1: Exactly. And it's a, yes, indeed, I believe, you know, several people have told me they imbibe in the United States. And, and several practices are very different. For instance, the daime is quite different.
0: Exactly. Um, the
1: relationship of how the daime came into being is very different. Mm. Uh, it came in, in, I think, 1930s, didn't they? In uh,
0: Right, right. So it's, the daime is a
1: new spiritual relationship to to the plants. Plant. But Carlos had told me that uh, the liana, the ayahuasca itself, there were something like 160 different uh, types and variations all over the world. Now, I I don't, you know, I've never gone into any kind of... Um, study to see where and what they are and what their potencies are, because that's not who I am.
0: Right, right.
1: (laughs) Of course. as, as, uh, As we all know, if there's a disease that's brought into the planet, there's got to be an opposite. And so often that's found in plants, and many of those plants are in the southern hemisphere and particularly in the Amazon.
0: Yes, uh, as I see it, um, Mother Nature provides us with what we need to heal from the illnesses that come from our abusing her.
1: You know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which, in German, I have to say for our listeners, means of course. <laughs> yes. Yes. I want to stress for our listeners once again, that the book is called the Black Smoke. And I want to assure our listeners that uh, it's, it's really an adventure story. And it's a cliffhanger. I mean, you just uh, you follow this woman that's on the phone with us through extraordinary adventures. So buy the book.
1: Quite a cliffhanger, and boy, was it ever a cliffhanger at the time! You know, I go, Phew, and then something new would come up. Um, yeah, it is. It's a page turner. People it say it reads like a novel. It uh, does. Book, which it is does. funny. It and does. It's a true story.
0: Now, Margaret, your adventures with Carlos sort of came to a uh, to a transformation, a different way of being together. In, uh, when was it, 2003,
1: Uh, 2003.
0: Right. Although
1: it began before that. um, And that's, you know, uh, an inherent seed in the book. Um, When I brought Carlos to America, it was almost like I was bringing a wild, wild child that should never be here. Right. uh, On some level. In other words, it was as if I was walking him through the concrete jungle, like he had taken me hand in hand through the forest of the Amazon. And um, so there's a bit of a cautionary tale about crossing cultures and what can happen.
0: Speak a little bit more about that. That really interests me a lot.
1: Um, I think, well, part of the... um, The conclusionary aspect um, of who he and I were and who he is came to kind of a crashing, outrageous conclusion at some point from being in North America, because Aboriginal people have a code of honor Mm -hmm. and a code of spirituality and a code of healing um, that is... Superseded here in America, where people don't want Aboriginals to use the medicines that they use um, to promote the belief that healing can happen without surgery and invasive procedures. And um, so it's threatening to our society and sometimes very misunderstood. And in Carlos's mind, he couldn't fathom that we could be so close. Mm-hmm. He couldn't understand that. And he would also, we would walk around and he'd say, don't you people, God, ah, there's just all these darts flowing from one person to another. Don't you understand that these, this is dangerous? In other words, like if you have a bad thought about a person, right. that that affects them.
0: Right and, he, right. and
1: he found that very odd that nobody was aware of that up here. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of cultural aspects in relation to the two different cultures.
0: One which is married to Nunque, Mother Earth,
1: in every sense, and one that uh, many times
0: doesn't really understand that we are the Earth. Exactly. Exactly. Let me ask you, Margaret, um, yesterday I interviewed Dina Metzger And she called the illnesses, a lot of the illnesses that we get, like inflammations and cancer and immune diseases, she calls them friendly fire.
1: Friendly fire?
0: Friendly fire, that we are attacked by friendly fire.
1: Oh, absolutely. I thought you first said frenzy fire, and I thought, yeah, that's true. That's true, (laughs) too. Yeah. There There is real truth in that. And I, you know, I certainly don't know what she said, but it's, um, I mean, if you want to take the Chinese example, the triple warmer, which is a very ancient part of the body Mm -hmm. and um, helps protect uh, at the most basic level, can sometimes get overworked Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it will attack everything because it's been bombarded so much that it thinks it's always under attack.
0: Right, right. I don't
1: know if that was her. her yes, body. yes. I'd love to hear what, what she had to say about friendly well, fire.
0: Tune in to uh, Future
1: Primitive. <laughs> <laughs> but is that along the line of what she was speaking?
0: Yes, that is along the line of what she was speaking. And so what I wanted to ask you is uh, have you been free of friendly fire? Have you been free of cancer since 19. 19- oh,
1: girl. Oh girl, oh girl
0: ah. hey,
1: hey. hey, hey.
0: Um,
1: i I would say to you and um to myself, yes. that every day we wake to new challenges and responsibilities, and so having you know made a decision to go to Ecuador does not relieve me of responsibility to my body or to other people. It only shows me more that this is how We wake up every day, how we decide how we're going to live. The body gets older, it dies, it has certain things that come and go. Mm -hmm. This this is um, not something that Carlos or anyone can stop. They're not God. Uh Uh So we are always faced with challenges.
0: Sure, sure. Well... Margaret, tell us what you have been up to in your travels and adventures since 2003.
1: My, oh my. Well, um, I've been spending a lot of time in Brazil from 2001 to 2004 and teaching in Germany.
2: Uh-huh. Um,
1: Brazil, this was to work with healers. Mm-hmm. And then I've Spent some time in um, South Africa with the Zulus, studying healing there. And in uh, Zimbabwe with the Shona people. And uh, Egypt. Right. In trance healing ceremonies and Bali. Right. And uh, now I'm finding myself in Nigeria.
0: In Nigeria.
1: With the Evos. So um, this is a very interesting Aspect which I can't really speak about just yet. It's, it's a complicating, fascinating subject about good and evil and healing
2: mm-hmm.
1: that takes place in Nigeria. So as you can see, having, <laughs> having come from kind of a professorial background mm-hmm. and going to Ecuador, the world exploded for me. Yes. And uh, I am happy to embrace it.
0: Right, right. So, speak to us just a little bit about your love of Africa.
1: Um, that... That's that's a very deep subject, but um, I was called there uh, about ten years ago, mm-hmm. and I never had the funds to go. Right. I was called by uh, a high priest, mm-hmm. and that's, that's a kind of exciting story. But... Um,
0: It's your next book.
1: How did you know that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And he, anyway, there were dreams involved, there were objects of power involved, and possession uh, uh, of my body involved, and so I got myself over there. Uh And um, Africa is, is an extraordinary place. It's it, it, it is almost like Ecuador now, um, being encroached, uh, and well certainly South Africa, because I would always go into the bush, I didn't need to be in the city,
2: mm-hmm.
1: encroached with westernization, um, the traditions are bad, they're evil, they're fetish, they're voodoo. Right. they're this, they're that, mm-hmm. um, you're either Christian or Muslim. Uh-huh. Um, so the traditions are dying out all over the world. Right. And and part of what was important to me, um, not as you know a journalist, was mm-hmm. that I I had to I had to go where I was being called.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, anything that I was supposed to do, because it, for me, this information from our southern hemisphere brothers and sisters is. That invaluable and would mm-hmm. make such a difference in our world today if we could marry the intelligence, information that we have in the North
2: mm-hmm.
1: with the um, traditional wisdom that is even up to 40,000 years old. That works. This and that would be a great healing and health for North, the people of the Northern Hemisphere.
0: Well, this is the... Essence of Future Primitive,
1: Yay! our
0: website. <laughs> Margaret, we're going to bring our wonderful conversation around, and uh, I want to ask you what you would like to say in closing.
1: Oh, that's sweet. It's, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. I've been blessed and honored to. Be have been part of a journey with Carlos
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, that taught me much about love and compassion for all people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I, I'm i so happy that you read the book and that um, that it touched you.
0: Yes, and
1: indeed. It, it's my pleasure to have been able to write it, although I was compelled, I must say.
0: Yeah, yeah, I understand. So, thank you very, very much. I'm grateful to have you on the phone. And um, everybody, read Black Smoke by Margaret Weiss.
1: Thank you, Joanna. Such a nice way of meeting you by phone and maybe perhaps in person one day.
0: Yes.